Hey everybody, welcome back to Stuff You Don't Need to Know, and it's time for your favorite segment, AP Comics. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's me, Jay. And with me as always, it's the hero that Gotham needs, not the one that they want, Diana. Hi. Ooh, wow, she actually sounds really excited today. Um... So we, you know, you, you kind of said that this is something we're going to talk about, and you you insisted that I put this right up front. Spoilers! There will be spoilers in this discussion because we are talking about Man of Steel, Brian Michael Bendis's debut to DC. All right, so sounds like you know a little bit about Mr. Bendis here. So you said it's his debut in DC. So do you know what was he doing before this? He was exclusively Marvel. He did Civil War Two. I think he did. I don't know if he did the original Secret Wars or if he did one of the newer ones because I saw his name on a Secret Wars book. He actually did a lot. Like whenever I'm looking through like trade paperbacks or just through the Marvel section of the comic shop, his name comes up a lot. So he was kind of like what Jeff Johns was back in the New Fifty Two, but now he belongs to DC. All right, and you and I mean, you know, I don't know if you could hear it. I could definitely see it. Diana's really smiling, and as as you know, if you listen to AP Comics, if there's one thing Diana likes, it's a good writer. And I'm going to guess that Brian Michael Bendis is a great writer because she is just really looking forward to this. So, just give us a, a brief summary, real quick. Uh, Man of Steel. This was a miniseries, correct? Yep, a six issue miniseries. Well. It actually started back in Action Comics 1000, so I don't know if you count that, but that's where it started. Okay, so just kind of explain a little bit. Like, it started, and and, and then in this six-part series, you know, sort of what happened. So, in Action Comics 1000, it starts actually, I think it's in, it starts, like, after, like, in between issues three and four, it, it is, it shows that the bad guy, Rogolzar, He's on Earth, and Superman's fighting him, and Superman gets knocked into a com- a, co- a coffee shop, and then he's like, oh, everybody, stand back, stand back, please. And then he goes, and he's fighting him, and then he, and then at the end of it, Superman actually loses. And what Rogalzar says to Superman, he says, I will destroy you like I destroyed Krypton, like I promised your father, Jor-El. So you actually learn that Krypton was destroyed by this man, Rogalzar, and Jor-El had a hand in it. What? So Superman's father is partially or totally responsible for the destruction of Krypton? According to Regal Zar, they were both uh, working together because the first in the first issue it starts off Regal Zar goes to like the Guardian he goes to a few Guardians of the Universe and other people. I don't know, I'm not I'm not I'm not a hundred percent knowledgeable, okay? So and he goes to like others like celestial beings and he says Krypton is a cancer on the universe like it's been expand it's expanded and then they all they bring about them is like an empire even though the empire ended before he still sees them as the potential empire state and then the guardians and all the other beings say no you can't destroy krypton we'll just let this civilization wind down as it will over time and then you see rogolzar is like okay fine and then it and the next time you see rogolzar interacting with them he's on the cave in his home world and it is ganhet ganhet comes to uh, Rogolzar, and he says, Krypton was just destroyed. Where were you? And he says, and he says, I was right here the whole time. So then, 
you don't. So then it really Man of Steel, and this goes into one of my major problems with Man of Steel. It is six issues long. Each issue costs three ninety nine, and at the end of it, nothing is really revealed. And I think this is where it first starts because you're like, oh man, they cut away from showing the destruction of Krypton. You just see where goals are there, but then they never show how he destroyed Krypton. They never show him talking to Jor-El about the destruction of Krypton. So by the end of it, the first thing they set up is never answered by the end of Man of Steel. And I think that's my biggest problem. I like... There were parts of it I really liked, but overall, it was six issues when it just could have been like an 80-page giant or like a five ninety nine special. All right, fair enough. So now is this uh, kind of before we talk about like the storyline there. So is this going to be sort of his lead in Brian Michael Bendis to take over the Superman book? Yes. So that's actually what it is. It doesn't this does not stand well on its own because it is a lead in to him writing Superman and action comics. All right, so not really like a standalone thing, sort of his introduction into DC and instead of just taking over, he's sort of like, I guess the best way to write it is sort of like, here's my little prequel introduction to what I'm going to be doing in Superman and Action Comics. Yeah, and I don't know if it was his idea to make it a six-issue miniseries or if it was DC so they can make a lot more money because there's six of them, each of them costing $4. That's $24. That's more if they made it even an $8 80-page giant. So, yeah. Okay, so like you said, with the whole destruction of Krypton, that question, you know, who really did it, who was behind it, isn't really answered. No, they... They just show Krypton exploding, and you see Gunhead going to talk to Rogolzar. There's no, and even Superman asks him like, "What's up with this?" You say, "My father." Like Superman says, like the whole time he's fighting, he's kind of like he's trying to keep him. He's trying to keep him. Well, of course, he's going to keep him alive. But then, like you can tell, this whole fight, Superman wants answers. But then, in the very end, Supergirl swoops in with the Phantom Zone projector and is like, "Nope!" And I'm like, "Okay." So we can't even get a little talk at the end, like not even a little talk to T. It's like it's not even Superman got a few words in and Rogozar got a few words in, and then he was sent to the Phantom Zone. It was immediately, and we could not get any, not even a hint to an answer to a question we have. Okay, but, you know, and I know you love writing, and I know you are going to be going off to college to study writing. I mean, don't you think, though, that's kind of a good cliffhanger or not really such a good cliffhanger? I think for the way it was set up, like, if it was... I think, again, if this was, like, a five ninety nine special or an 80-page giant, that would have been okay. But since it was six issues and I spent nearly $25 on it, I spent nearly $25 on it. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> Whatever, tomato, tomato, keep going. Spent $25 on it? Then... There is a problem, because that's a lot of money for not a lot of answers. Like, I'm saying, like, Injustice 2 books, they cost two ninety nine, and they give me more answers. They're able to give me answers from the previous issue and set up another question. All in two ninety nine, they do it perfectly. So no issue with the story, more issue in the in the way DC executed it. Yeah, because when I look back on it, it's a good story, but because it was so spread out, it kind of like felt diluted. So it's like if you're drinking really watered down Coke, 
instead of like the nice crisp cold Coke. Ooh, wow, that is a writing device which completely escapes me now because I I am not a writer at all. Alrighty, so the, 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 like like you said, the question of you know what happened to Krypton and really more importantly Jor-El's uh, involvement in it wasn't answered. But were there any flashbacks where we see Jor-El taking out a massive insurance policy on the planet Krypton? No, there there is no flashbacks to Krypton. He just they just say he did it. All right. So, I mean, hopefully down the road, these questions are going to be answered. So um, one of the other things that's kind of, you know, I, I, I read about it and then I saw uh, a couple of the issues sitting on your desk upstairs. Uh, Superman's wearing his underwear on the outside again. And I joked about it, but you said it actually it's actually mentioned in the story. So once again, guys, spoilers. Why is Superman wearing his undies on the outside again? So there's a part. Well, first I need to go back and explain Jor-El's involvement in the story. So there's a flashback to Jor-El, just not to Jor-El on Krypton. So if you know in the DC universe, in the current DC universe, Jor-El is alive. Dr. Manhattan saved him from the destruction of Krypton. And we saw him earlier as Mr. Oz, and we saw Superman have a discussion with him in the Oz effect. But then at the end, Dr. Manhattan took him back, and you're like, oh no, where is he? So then now, Jor-El comes back, he has a ship, and he says, Jonathan, Superman's son, is not learning as much as he could here on Earth. He's saying that he is something that should not have existed, and we need, and he needs to learn about who he is and his powers in the universe. So Jor-El says, I will take him with me, and I will teach him all about the universe. And then, of course, Superman and Lois Lane, they disagree... And they have a big argument, but then in the end, Lois decides, yeah, in the end, Jonathan does need to learn about the universe if he's going to be Superman. So what we need to do is, uh, it's cold in here, uh, <laughs> we need to send, we, we, he needs to go. But then Lois says, he's not going alone, I'll go with him. And then, because Superman said, like, because, like, Jor-El says, like, well, he doesn't have to go alone, you guys can go with him, and then... Superman's like, uh, I have several jobs here on Earth. I can't go. So Lois says, fine, I'll go. And then just before she leaves, Superman says, here, to keep you safe. And he gives her his suit that doesn't have the trunks. And he said that's... And then he gives it to her for her protection because the symbol means something. And also, it's like a space suit. Um, well, also, let me just ask you about that. Do you, go upstairs. Um, like with the suit, because I saw that in previous, like back when I used to read it, um, there, there was sort of this thing that the fact that Superman's suit, the reason that it's invulnerable is not really so much the material, it's the fact that it's in such close proximity to Superman himself. So there was like, um, like an Elseworlds where way way far into the future they found superman's suit it was actually found by like a hobo and he was wearing it and he was invulnerable until they shot him in the head um is that like another reason why is that something that's still kind of like canonical to superman the fact that his suit isn't was in so such close proximity to him that is why now like the suit itself is also invulnerable 
I don't know, but then I I think there is a sense of invulnerability to it because it is made of like Kryptonian fibers and stuff, so I think that's why I gave it to Lois. Okay, and that's actually something that we see in um CW's Supergirl and spoiler on that um you know we, we learned that her costume and cape are made from kryptonian materials uh which is why they could do some fantastic things that's all i'm going to say on that because diana hasn't seen that episode yet she actually put her fingers in her ears all right um wow that's an, that's amazing though that that lois would really sacrifice like make that sacrifice to, to like at first to sort of say that, you know, yeah, my son needs to be away from us to, to sort of learn to be Superman, you know, not knowing that she could have the chance to go with him. Um, I mean, what, what did you think of that little arc there, you know, with Jonathan going and then Lois going and then, you know, first the two of them being okay with Jonathan going and then Superman being okay with the two of them going? Well, actually... Oh, actually, uh, not, none of them were okay with Jonathan going. What changed Lois's mind, at least, is that John said that this happened in uh, Teen Titans, Superman, Super Sons crossover, happened where Tim Drake from the future came back and he said, in the future, Superboy loses control of his powers and he destroys Metropolis. So then... John says, if that happens to me in a possible future, and jor saying, I don't know anything about my powers, what, what's going to happen to me? And he says, that's one of the reasons why he wants to go. And another reason he wants to go is he says he wanted to join the Teen Titans. Well, Robin wanted him to join the Teen Titans, and the Teen Titans said no. And the Teen Titans' reason for saying no is that their group dynamic wasn't working out so well, and they needed time. And I think that was true. But Superboy saw it as, they don't want me, I'm not good enough. So that was another reason why he wanted to go with Jor-El. All right, that sounds pretty good. Uh, anything else major that, you know, happens in this six-issue Man of Steel? Well, one interaction I like with Jor-El is that um, Superman, like Jor-El's talking to Superman, he says, like, you see, son, you haven't even unlocked your full potential here on Earth. And Superman's like, I am saving... Everybody in Jor-El says, oh, you're just putting out fires in your baby clothes, Cal. You're not unlocking your full potential. Yeah, I mean, and that was a question I was going to ask you. The fact that Jor-El says that Jonathan isn't like as... Uh, I, I, worldly really isn't the word because, you know, he, he isn't as knowledgeable in his powers. But what about Superman? Because, you know, as far as Superman knew, you know, his father was dead. There was nobody there to train him. So yeah, that, that, that's actually pretty interesting that I, I thought what you were going for is saying that like, wow, Jonathan is not as knowledgeable as Superman, but it's actually the case is neither one of them can realize their full potential is that that's what's going on. That's what Jor-El says. Yeah. And um, going back to your original question, if anything significant happens, Rogol Zar. He, the reason he comes to Earth and fights Superman is because he was drinking at a bar in space and then somebody had like a Superman necklace on display. Like it was from Earth and they had it on display. And he's like, and he recognized a symbol. He's like, what's that? Where'd you get it? And the bartender said, oh, it's some trinket from Earth. They like love this guy there. And then he knew that there were Kryptonians on Earth. So the first thing he does, he finds the Fortress of Solitude. And you know, one of the many treasures of the Fortress of Solitude 
is the city of Kandor, and he realizes that th- that it is Kandor, and there are thousands of Kryptonians in there. So the first thing he does is he destroys the city of Kandor. So every Kandorian is dead, and truly Superman and Supergirl are the last Kryptonians. Wow, that's amazing. So Supergirl actually plays a pretty... Does she actually play a pretty big role in uh, Man of Steel, this Man of Steel miniseries? Yes, because she actually... like When they destroy Kandor, she is the first one who goes after Regolzar because, of course, she was older. She remembers life on Krypton, so she remembers Kandor. And then, so she, of course, she goes after him first because she is... And, of course, she's so angry. And I think that was a callback to her being a Red Lantern is that that's why her rage was so strong that she went after Regolzar blindly, and of course Regolzar beat her easily. Okay, so, you know, with with Supergirl, um, you know, how, how you said uh, technically she's older than, than Cal. Um, so would you say that in this series, because you said uh, when Superman does confront him, you know, he does want answers, but again, he thinks of the safety of the people around him. Um, obviously, he's not going to kill him, where Supergirl goes after him in a blind rage. So, Supergirl more Kryptonian, um, Superman more human or, or Earthling. Yeah, because cause the whole reason that Supergirl goes after Regolzar is isn't to protect the people it is to get vengeance over what he did for Kandor and the reason why she puts him in the phantom zone is because of course Superman asked her like we could have beaten him we could have asked him questions he's saying he destroyed Krypton and she says he doesn't care he he killed thousands of people and on Krypton that punishment is life in the phantom zone so that's what I did wow so it it almost sounds like you know Kryptonian justice is, is pretty much like cut and dry, you know, you know, where we here on earth, you know, obviously we dispense out justice, you know, there's, if there's a crime, there's a punishment, but a lot of times we try to understand the why behind the crime. Supergirl doesn't care. He committed a crime. He's got to pay. Yeah. And especially because since that crime was destroying a Kryptonian city and her last hope of really reconnecting with the life she knew. And now that's all gone. Okay, so what other parts of this story uh, did you really kind of struck a, a positive note with you? Any anything else in it? Um, well, there was this. Well, well, there's something that. Uh, well, well, there. Yeah, I'll start over. The what really struck a chord with me was the whole Jorel part because the way that they were saying. Because at first they were just arguing, like, like they weren't hearing Jor-El. Like, no, he can't go, he can't go. And then Jean brings up this concern. And Superman talks to him kind of like, hey, you know. He, he actually brings up this thing. He said, he said, like, what I tell you about other timelines. And those other timelines and universes, those are other people. And they're responsible for their actions. You're responsible for your actions. So don't worry about becoming like that John that destroyed Metropolis. And then... That I thought that was a really good moment, and then when Lois said, "I'll go with John," because she realized he needed to learn more to be a better Superman, and also I think Clark, because he did not want any of them to go, and he was fighting with his dad. He said, "This is my family," and then that's when he brings up the thing that I'm doing a good job here on Earth, and then Jor-El says, "No, you're putting out fires in your baby clothes," and then I think in the end for Superman to let go of his family and trust them with someone that he just fought 
in the Oz effect. So he saw that Jorel was ready. He Jorel actually before when he was just fresh from Dr. Manhattan, he saw all the injustices of the world and he said that the only bleh, sorry, I'm blanking on the Oz effect right now, but basically he was going to kill a lot of people. And then so Superman still remembers that, and he and he can't trust his family with a guy who was just a mass mass murderer a little while ago. So then, but then he's able to do its best for his son. Yeah. Okay, I mean, and, and that's going to bring up something, you know, a question I have. Like while you were talking about all of that, um, what did you think of the fact that? I mean, to me, it sounded like Jonathan actually brought up a valid point, you know, regardless of, oh, it's a different timeline or it's a different Earth or whatever. You know, he actually had that concern of, you know, yeah, what if what if I can't do it? You know, sort of almost questioning his dad saying, you know, hey, you taught me a lot, but maybe I do need to know more because I want to be a good and responsible Superman. Um, and for... Clark, you know, Kalel, just to kind of like the kibosh on that. Like, what did you what did you think of that? Like, Superman kind of thinks of of everybody, and here he is only really thinking about his family, and it's now Jonathan thinking about everybody. Like, did you see that, or what did you think of that? I thought that was good because it kind of shows that at the end of the day, Superman isn't that he isn't just because it's easy to think of superman it's easy to see superman as just like a guy who's there fighting for everybody and he's there for everybody but this shows that at the end of the day superman still has a family and at the end of the day that's his number one priority he's still a great he's still an amazing hero but he has a family to worry about and i like seeing that seeing that like how something so horrible in his eyes was going to happen to his family that he needed to put his family first so it's, it's it's almost like, you know, it's for him, family first, the rest of the world is like, it's like family 1A, rest of the world 1B. It's like close, but push comes to shove, he's, he's going to choose his family in the very end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's pretty good because I think when you look at very old iterations of Superman, you know, really going back, you know, he was sort of like... I mean, I think the big knock that people had on Superman, especially maybe in the 70s, was that he was too perfect. You know, there was really, except for uh, Kryptonite, there was no weaknesses. He was that Boy Scout. But you're kind of saying that for as great as he is, not that he has flaws, but he's still a very relatable character, even though we can't fly and we're not invulnerable and we're not super strong in all, all of his abilities he still has some vulnerabilities and he still has some relatabilities. Yeah. That it, it kind of goes back to like, it kind of reminded me to like what happened in, uh, in metal, how Superman wouldn't proceed with any plans to stop the dark multiverse until he knew that John was somewhere safe. So then, yeah, it kind of reminded me of that, how he, he just really loves his son. Which is not a bad thing at all. Um, anything else, like any kind of final thoughts on this series, uh, the artwork, uh, any other supporting characters that might have shown up? Um, I don't know. Well, they do confirm that Jonathan Kent had a porn stash in his room, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, how, well, how old is he? He's like 10. Yeah, it happens, you know. 
Whatever. It was just funny because he was just like, before I leave, uh, nobody go into the third drawer in my room. He goes, actually, wait, you know what? I'll take care of it. And then Superman and Jor-El are having an argument. He comes back. He's like, I took care of it. Don't worry. <laughs> so they didn't even realize that he got rid of it. Yeah. He was just like, oh, okay, I'll be back. And then he just gets it. And you see him poof out of there and he comes right back he's like i took care of it guys don't worry <laughs> did he give it to damien for safekeeping that was the first question he said he said like okay if damien comes looking for me tell him not to go into my third drawer actually none of you go into my third drawer actually i'm gonna get rid of it <laughs> oh my god that's too funny Alrighty, so uh once again it's that time uh you know as we wrap up our first part of uh, ap comics here so uh you know there was the holiday so diana actually went to the comic shop yesterday thursday because uh wednesday was the fourth of july happy birthday america and captain america as well um so you know she gets a bunch of comics uh she goes through them so diana what is your pick of the week this week well my pick of the week well i haven't well first disclaimer i haven't read catwoman yet i didn't get it yet they ran out of the comic shop so then now my pick of the week is batman 50 which is the wedding okay and just real quick you gotta tell the story about the wedding invitation on our uh, refrigerator okay so i so then to if you know this we go to comic shops to advertise the issues to advertise the wedding and the issues leading up to the wedding DC sent out they 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 sent to comic shops like actual wedding invitations so on the front it says you are cordially invited to the wedding of Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle and then it, and then it says the date which will be July 4th so now I, I just put it up on the fridge because I thought it was cute and then my grandma comes in and she tells my mom she goes I don't know these friends. Who are they? And they're getting married? My, no, no she, she says, oh, are we all going to the wedding? Or is it just you? And my mom's like, what wedding? She goes, for your friends. It's up there on the fridge. And she goes, no, mom, it's Batman. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, my good friend Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I had to decline. All right, so why, you know, very, very limited spoilers. Why was this issue your pick of the week? It does not end the way you think it will. You think there there are, you could have a thousand theories as to how this issue ends, but when you read it and see the end, that was none of the things you were thinking of. So in other words, what you just said is, this isn't going to end the way you think it is. Yes, and it is, it, I'm still thinking about it, it really got me. <laughs> it's not going to end the way you think it is. So saith Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so, I mean, that, that, you know, I mean, obviously that's the big wedding issue, um, which, you know, leading up to it, I heard a lot of people saying like, ah, oh, they're not going to get married, this or that. So obviously you're not going to spoil it. You're not because you're, you're, you want people to go out and read it and find out for themselves. But were you satisfied with the ending? Not satisfied? What, what, what were some of your thoughts? Ooh, was I sat when I first when because kind of like there. Ooh, how do I describe this? There's. I'm just gonna say yes because the way I was thinking would have spoiled it. So I'm just gonna say yes. I'm satisfied. Okay, fair enough. So definitely want to go out and pick it up again. Once again, your pick of the week is Batman number fifty. 
Alrighty, which of course is the wedding between Batman and Catwoman. Alrighty, so we're going to bring it to a close here uh, on AP Comics. But just, uh, I just wanted to say, you know, coming up, you know, Diana talks a lot about, you know, different comics. Um, I know she's, you're, you're going to talk about some independence, maybe not right away, but pretty soon, right? Yeah, and I have, and we could talk about some Marvels coming up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really rare. Like, if I see a Marvel comic, I'm like, what the heck? I didn't think you read this stuff. But, yeah, we're, we're, we'll definitely talk about that. But um, I thought it would be actually interesting if maybe next AP Comics we kind of talk a little bit about diversity in comics because that's something that's kind of been coming up lately, uh, both in DC, Marvel, and... I mean, you also see it in the independent, so I think that would be a pretty interesting topic. Uh, and Diana kind of agrees with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, of course, it'll mostly focus on DC because that's what I read. But then, you know, like some DC Vertigo stuff, Young Animal. So, yeah. And a little bit with Mar- uh, uh, with Marvel, with... Uh, Khan. Yeah, with Kamala Khan and all that. Alrighty, so uh, I think that's going to wrap it up right here. Uh, actually, uh, before we go, Diana, please shamelessly plug your podcast. That's right. I am Elseworld's Finest, and I'm on everywhere you can find this podcast. We just did an episode on Guardians of the Galaxy because I brought on my friend who does not like Guardians of the Galaxy, and I like Guardians of the Galaxy, so we had a nice discussion about it. Yes, they did, and uh, the the I just got done listening to it the other day, and the, the, uh, the, the phrase I kept hearing over and over again is, well, if you played the game... Yes, because I played the Guardians Telltale game, and that is an amazing game. So that's what I tried to do to kind of show her. The Guardians aren't all bad here. There's the Telltale game. <laughs> so if you played the game. So we're not going to talk about the game here. You have to go over to Elseworlds Finest, which, like Diana said, just like this podcast, you could find it everywhere. You can find it on Anchor, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Google Play... Breaker, Stitcher 2, maybe even Spotify, because I've seen this one on Spotify, so maybe Diana will end up on Spotify as well. Really, anywhere you find a podcast and anywhere you find this podcast, uh, definitely check it out. It's called Elseworlds Finest. Uh, Diana hosts it. Uh, each episode she has a different one of her friends come on and they talk about whatever and for some reason they claim to be Australian yeah, well, we don't claim to be Australian. We ask the question if we are Australian every episode. Y- y- you got to listen to understand what they're talking about. Uh, don't forget that Anchor here has that call-in feature. So please, if you have comic questions for Diana or if you have comic questions for me uh, for stuff that happened before the mid-90s, I could try to answer it as best as I can. You're probably better off asking Diana your comic questions. But, yeah, definitely call in, ask questions. Find us on Instagram. Uh, I put up pictures of the stuff that we talk about. We actually, the other day, got done talking about our trip to Universal Studios uh, in Orlando. Uh, Universal Studios and and, uh, Universal's Islands of Adventure. So check that episode out. This is Jay. And Diana. And good comic reading to you.